Welcome to the Voice of the Pharaoh podcast. I am your host, Ben Hannon. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Okay, welcome back. Feral Podcast, Dustin Ruth. I just, take it away. I just taught Ben how to put his phone on airplane. Yep, we're learning. I'm I'm not a I'm not a tech guy, so I'm I, thank goodness I got Dustin here. Uh so So you are you're we're talking about EP. Oh, that's what I was gonna get into. Yeah. So for folks listening, and an EP that stands for extended play. So it's not quite a demo. Right. It's not quite a full length. Right. It's a uh, right. It's somewhere in between. It's somewhere in between, and it's like this really kind of a strange Ours niche. Was six songs. Six songs. Yeah. Right. Okay. So you you release an EP. So yeah, we record this EP and okay. by yourself, well, right? Your own. No, brain. we we had friends. Um, but I'm saying you did it on your own bill. Yes. You yes. Went, you Financially, saved, you guys yes. Saved we record it. The main thing that I cared about was quality tracking. What do you have into it at this point? Well, the full project, that mm-hmm. EP was fifteen grand. Fifteen thousand yeah, dollars. Yeah. For I folks that. listening, fifteen thousand dollars and you are twenty twenty at the time, like twenty four, I think. Okay. So we already and we've talked about the origins. Yeah. So I want people to understand. And you I, can do this. Yeah. You can go out, you can save your money, you can work hard. And, I dumped every and, penny and I you had. You cannot make it. excuses to yourself. And you can do this on your own. I dumped a lot of money into music, but anyway, over the years. But so yeah, I put that money into it, and we the reason why the a big portion of it was pretty expensive was uh, we ended up getting a really great um, mixing engineer to mix it, and um, and his name is J R McNeely. J R who? McNeely. McNeely. He's from Nashville. He's got grammys for is like this reliant k he did a lot of reliant k stuff okay. and tons of tons of tooth and nail stuff wow um he's really great engineering great mixer um and you know he mixed the six tracks and then we took that which we, and then now we're getting into this is kind of cool. We won't, we can't get into today, but yeah. I would love to talk about hours. Aaron Sprinkle, Poor Old Lou. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I watched those guys play. I watched that band play at Lake Retreat Center in wherever Lake Retreat is up in North Washington. Yeah. I watched them play at a youth group event, and there was people sobbing when they were done. It was so powerful. Wow. Yeah. Uh, the five o'clock people, Poor Old Lou. Yeah. Probably two of the best. And I've been to big concerts. Mm-hmm. I've seen big shows. Uh, and the one that you did up north, uh, with the when, what was that? What was that place called? Uh, the Everett Event Arts Center or something like that. I don't. Okay, so Ruth the band. Yeah. Poor old Lou. Five o'clock people. Folks sobbing at the end of all three performances because <laughs> it's so that. powerful. Three best performances I've ever seen in my life. I ever. appreciate that. Ever. People were people were sobbing, dude, because it's so good. So, okay. um, you know that song, you know, can you make folks cry when you play and sing David Allen Coe? He's on something there. Okay, <laughs> go ahead. So, uh, yeah, the EP gets into some people's hands in Nashville. There's a few labels there that get interested. Then there's Tooth and Nail that gets interested. The We did a show and some of the A&R guys show up from Nashville to the show. 
we go to Nashville and play for their companies, wow. uh, like on a showcase. How nerve-wracking was that? I don't know, man. Are like, we talking like downtown Nashville, Music Music Row here? Or well, there's go? a there's a place. I think it's called like S S I R S R. It's it, it's like basically a giant practice room studio building that like all kinds of artists go in there and they like if they're getting ready for tour they can practice in these rooms that are soundproof or whatever and then if you're like want to do a showcase you can you can showcase a band in there and have like a private concert but it's like a real common place for like musicians to go okay and and you know i don't know who all goes there but a lot of people do mm. to get ready for a tour. You know, everybody shows up to Nashville. They all meet at the practice place. They're staying in the hotel. They rent the bus from the bus place. Nashville is set up for this. Right. Like, I mean, so and this is my first time like off the West Coast, really. And uh, so we go to Nashville. We play this showcase, a couple different showcases. We played at another place. Uh, I think it was called the Exit Inn. And it was like Johnny Cash had played there. Like lots of wow. people had played there. But it was... Wow. Obviously, the place has changed over the years. Yeah. Um, and so we met with the labels and stuff. And then we get back here. And there was one label I really loved there. They were just EMI. Um, they owned, like, Sparrow Records, Forefront mm. Records. And there was this guy, Peter York, um, who was just I, – I really loved him. He was just a great guy. And our A&R guy at the time was this guy named Trent Dabbs, who's actually a really successful songwriter now. He's written for, like – Casey Musgraves. No and, kidding. And Big and Rich and, you know, all these people. He's written tons and tons of songs. He has, like, I think, like, a gold record now on his wall for a wow. song he wrote on a Casey Musgraves Yeah, record. and folks need to understand that, too. But he was an A&R guy at the time just right. trying to make his way in the music Right, industry. and those guys are writing songs yeah. and selling them into to the, the, the performers, yep. you know? Yep. It's not necessarily always... Some of those guys write their own music as well, sure. <clears throat> but a lot of them take take songs from other songwriters or co-write or something yeah or like co-write, and it's just a it's just a breeding grounds for for art, and it, it, yeah. I respect all of it on every level. So we came back from Nashville, and I was like sold on Trent and this guy Peter Peter York. Okay. Um, and Peter had a son named Chris York who had like a giant curly fro and was like kind of tall and skinny and cool looking. And I was like, yeah, I like that guy, you know, met him, you know, met him <laughs> yeah. during the, and he just like, he had a good sense of humor. He was kind of witty. And I, I mean, I only met him briefly. I don't even know if he really would even remember me, but Peter would remember me, I think, you know, but anyway, it was, it was great meeting with them. And when I got back, that was the label. I was like, I want to work with them. Um, but then tooth and nail, sent this A&R guy down named Jeff Carver. Okay. And he, like, saw us play down on the, on the Portland waterfront at, like, uh, one of the events down there. And he, you know, talked to us after the show, and then he set up a meeting with uh, Brandon, the owner of the label at the time, mm-hmm. for me and him to meet down in Portland. And, <clears throat> okay. Uh, so, like... So, were you starting to get nervous then? You're like, man, I'm going to go meet with some real some real folks today i don't know man like i i sh- i don't want to say that i i feel like every time i've ever had to do something that is because it's not like um in my nature to naturally be a, a a bronzy personality yeah but like every time i've ever had like those types of events where i had to meet with somebody really important or or even now in my life with what i do for work it's like when those things come that are like 
overwhelming to me. Somehow the Lord just, and I know that sounds silly probably to your listeners, but I feel like the Lord just gives me the strength and the peace mm-hmm. and I just like go in there and yeah. It's like he gives me favor yeah. to those people. Yeah. You know, yeah, there's nothing it's like it was, it was either meant to be or it wasn't. That's and right. I kind of went into those situations like either this guy or gal is going to be 100% on board or right. not. And or if they're, they're not, and that's okay. I'm okay with that. Because you, yeah. got, faith. you exactly. got faith in something else. Yeah. It's not about that. Yeah. Right. So you don't have I was, to sell out. I wasn't as be like, oh, I'll do anything. <laughs> I'll do anything. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. So I met with Brandon and that kind of like changed it didn't change how I felt about Peter and Trent. It just changed um, because management at the time was like, I feel like this label fits you guys more. It's Seattle. It's West Coast. Right. Like, even though we didn't sound like anything on the label at the time. Um, and now, I, you guys do did and still to this day have a very just individualized, unique sound. I love it. And I was nervous about that. Yeah. I was nervous about like, how are they going to market us if we've never had anything like this? Because okay. most of their fan base was like heavy metal. like Right. You know, heavy bands. Right. I mean, Tooth and Nails. Like Zayo, for... man. I saw Zayo in concert. Oh my gosh. It was it was incredible. So guys up there screaming like a panther, you know. <laughs> yeah. Just just unreal. And just like unreal. we're nothing like that. Yeah, you know? I'm just like, like wow, we, what we is are it? gonna yeah. like totally... speakers are twelve feet tall and he's up there, wow. <laughs> you know, I love it. So <laughs> so um, great. So we ended up signing with them. But meeting with Brandon went really well. I like Brandon. Um some you know, I, I thought he was a, a really up front like nice guy um and you know we put out our first record secondhand dreaming and yeah. before we, yeah. we had just finished the record dude, mm-hmm. and all i had was a burned copy that aaron sprinkle gave us okay because we worked with aaron sprinkle which right. was awesome yeah he's a stud i need to bring that up but yeah he's a stud shout out to aaron and aaron aaron honestly and poor old Luke. Aaron was a huge reason why we got signed there. That's okay. why someone showed up. Brandon pretty much told me in the meeting, like, I don't know what's wrong with Aaron, but he's, like, insistent that your band gets signed really? and that you guys work with him. Okay. And okay. I was like, you know, at the time, Aaron really liked us. Right. I don't know if he still does. Right, right, right. Anyway, so. It started good. It started right. good, yeah. and he liked our music at the time. We kind of probably got dated, and, you know, he moved on to, like, better stuff. But... Oh, yeah, man. Everybody's got to make a living. Yeah. Man. No so, hard feelings. Anyway, at no the time. No hard we worked with Aaron, we finished this record, we got a burned copy, and um, Switchfoot and Reliant K were doing this co-headlining tour. It's going to be called the Appetite for Construction Tour, because okay. they're going to support... Um, and you're talking about Switchfoot now. At the we're time, talking about Switchfoot yeah, and those, Reliant K. Those two bands were like at their prime. They were know? in the, the thick. Yeah. Uh, you could listen to Switchfoot off of Christian radio at that time. Yes. They were on everything. Yeah, I mean, Lion K was was big as well. Very I, big. I loved both those. Very big. Writers. Yeah. Uh, and, and bands. Um, yeah, I remember you told me one time, because I asked you, I'm like, man, I can't believe you're going out with Switchfoot. And you said, yeah, man, it's so strange. I have John, I forget his last name. Foreman. I have John Foreman's phone number on my cell phone. I'm thinking weird. like what you yeah. know? <laughs> yeah, that's weird. That's so cool. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. um and I don't get too starstruck, but when I uh, when I met the Born and Raised crew down here at the Sportsman Show, guys yep. from Roseburg, yeah, yeah, Born and Raised, and then uh, just knowing that you had John Foreman's phone number, I, that those are probably my two starstruck moments. <laughs> so there were a lot of bands trying to get on this tour because it's going to be big and. Fortunately, we had a friend who slipped the CD to the drummer of Switchfoot, Chad, 
and Chad shared it with the guys and the guys were like, Hey, why don't we, you know, they shared it with Reliant K guys. And somehow dude, it was like a red sea party moment. Cause there were a lot of bigger bands that were supposed to be on that tour. Okay. Um, somehow we got on the tour and I think it really like actually angered the entire Christian music industry about our band because really? people were like who is this band nobody okay. even knows about them why are they on tour they're with from these some guys? no name town in Washington yeah like right. like we don't even know where Brush Prairie is yeah, what the heck's like, a Brush Prairie yeah, yeah so it was kind of like I think it was a bit um, I just think people were just like who are these people yeah <laughs> so anyway we started that tour that was amazing um, we had done a couple other tours leading up to it without a record out and then we put this record out. We had like some Christian single success and on Christian radio. And, um, you know, we toured around the country, 34 cities with those guys. 34 cities. It was, what it was, was that like, man? Like, give me a rundown on the schedule. So let's start on Monday. Uh, Monday, Monday well, morning. it's not, you don't know when Monday or Sunday or any day is. You just kind of like, oh, tonight we're playing in 34 you know, cities. Yeah, tonight we're playing in whatever city. And you're how old? I'm 24, 25. You're 24 years old. Yeah. You got a you got a tour van. We had a, a van. Yep. And See a the details are so good. <laughs> okay. So you bought you went out you bought a huge. It's the only new van. car I ever owned. I okay. bought I bought I with with a publishing. You got to tell folks what van. you did. So I got it's like a publishing amazing. advance from the label. Okay. And I had some money saved up, so I took that. So publishing is about your songwriting, right? Right. So I took that, I bought a van. So you the, take saved money and, and some loaned money, yep. you put it together. Bought a van, bought a dual axle trailer. Okay. Um, what kind of van are we talking about? Chevy? A Ford. A Ford. Yeah, I bought a, a Ford. Ford dude. Cargo van. No, it was a it was a eleven passenger van. Okay. And so we used like the bench seats to sleep on. Okay. You know all that, but um, so it is a blue collar man's tour bus. Oh, for sure. Oh, these that's guys, so awesome. these guys were on buses. With beds and stuff. And oh, yeah. Drivers. Oh, yeah. We were driving around in our van, and we already had been. We had gone on several tours prior right. to that. Right. Um, but that's what we had during that tour. That's all we ever had was vans. But um, So basically, we're always a, a step behind the tour. Okay. So Because they could leave right after the show. They'd get on the bus, eat their dinners, crawl in their beds, talk to their wives, whatever. And the driver would drive, and they'd sleep while they drove. And then they'd sleep into the morning and then they'd wake up and you know they're in you know whatever city we're at next mm-hmm. whereas we get out of the show and you get out really late because we don't have merch guys and gals so we're we're kind of we're just like totally doing it all ourselves right. you got to take down all take i down, want folks to understand yeah. you got to strip the stage which all the equipment yeah all the speakers, all the well, chords. we didn't do all that, but all of our amps and our guitars and our drums and drums, else. amps, guitars. Then yeah. you got to fold up all the merch. Then you go all upstairs because the these are coliseums, right? You, know, you go to your table. Yeah. You walk half a mile. Yeah, take upstairs. all that down, get them in totes. <laughs> right, carry all the totes. Carry all the totes down to the van. Right, pack and load up all, all the t-shirts. Time, and they got to count all that. All stuff. the sounds back CDs. Yeah, everybody's got CDs. Yeah. And so then you you get in the van, and by that time it's like two or three a.m. Right, and these are assets. You can't like you can't just be like, well, I just forgot a box of CDs back there in yeah. in Jonesville, Ohio. You oh, know, yeah. it's like, well, damn it, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you just you just lost like a thousand dollars. Dude, man. we couldn't afford to leave a guitar kit. You know right. what I'm saying? Because uh, like, yeah. no, you're losing money at that point. Yeah, yeah. So you're anyway, just shooting yourself in the foot. We're already losing money. We're right. losing money to do it. Now that tour, we weren't, but. 
because because we were able to make up for it in merch sales and people you know bought a lot of our stuff we were doing really well at oh that yeah time. i remember but um but the tours leading up to that we had gone i had gone very far in debt and you know you're just trying to like pay the bills stay afloat you're treading water bro yeah and i remember i remember watching a thing one time and i do not know this woman but I remember Gwen Stefani talking about the early days of No Doubt, and they would drive. They drove like, like nine hundred miles to play a, a venue that was on the tour, and there was like six people there. Oh yeah, we we did. You know what I mean? Like, folks yeah. need to understand that this is how it starts, man. Yeah. For everybody. And I've been doing that for years with right. my music, but this was. A really great experience, and there was big crowds, and the people were awesome, and yeah, you know the guys and the other bands were amazing, and everybody treated us really well. And, yeah, but you know, just you're just paying your dues, and is it still electrifying at this point? Like, are you still going home? You're like, man, I'm on tour with Switchfoot, I'm on the road. You well, know? see, we like, made it. I'm just like grinding it out. Or are you just in work mode? I'm in work mode. You're in work the rest mode. of the band, I think, was definitely in the like, hey, let's okay. go down to Times Square. Oh, let's go do this. I'm like, meanwhile, you're setting like, up merch. Like, you're like that guy in are cool runnings who won't go out. You yeah. know, he's at home looking at bobsled pictures. Yeah, right. that's me. <laughs> but like, I got a lot of responsibility. Right. right. I got to right. get these three other guys from point A to point B, and they helped. Right. You know, I don't okay. want to sound like I'm <clears> the only one, but... But I felt the weight of that, you yeah, know, like, you and, 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 you know, I got to get the merchandise upstairs and I got to get their amps on stage because, and, and I want them to go to Times Square Absolutely. and I want them to go to Ground Zero and I yeah. want them to experience everything because I want them to want to be out here, yeah. you know? And so for me, that stuff was like, it's just natural. I'm just a worker, mm -hmm. you know? And so yeah. I'm just working the whole time, yeah. to be honest with you. Um, so to me, I just thought it was the beginning, you know, of everything i didn't realize that it necessarily would be this fast like peak and then like the label would drop off the the booking agents and everything would kind of fizzle out and then you know then it kind of went into a new season of music okay and, and certain successes in the future but at that time i was just like the labels entrusted me all these people have worked hard to get us on this tour. Yeah. I just need to kill it every night. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And, and you got that in, on your mind every day. You yep. got to You got to perform. Got to perform. Got to play well. Got to sell as much as I can. Yep. Got to get there on time to the next place. That's right. Don't, don't, don't bug anybody. Right. Don't, don't, you know, bum anybody out in the bands that right. we're playing no with. No mistakes. <clears throat> you know, I want to be friends with those guys, but right. don't force it. Right. You know what I'm saying? I just, do. just let life be. It's a and, lot of pressure. And hopefully you can build some friendships and relationships and, you know, but you just, at the end of the day, you just got to make sure that when you hear from Brandon or Jeff Carver or Aaron Sprinkle, or anybody who's involved in your career, you, all you want to hear from them was, good job. Good job. You, you nailed that. Yeah. So so you're just, you have that. You're, you're going to bed with that and waking up to that yep. every day. And every honestly, day. I should every be worried day. about, am I pleasing the Lord? Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. But really, I'm just worried about everybody around me. Right. And, and are they all happy? Right. And so, anyway. So we finished that tour. Um, was amazing. The whole experience. I love all the guys that I met. And tell with. folks where you went. I mean, this is incredible. So you started where? You just give us a quick run through. The first. What, what, the first what was show first is city? I think like. Um, hold on. It was southeast of Ohio. I know. Okay. That. So you started in the Midwest. It wasn't Ohio though. It was like uh, I'm trying to look at a map here. Um, okay. But. 
And what month? Like June? Like you guys started well, no, in the no. Green Belt? No, it was leading up to Thanksgiving. We took a break for Thanksgiving. So it was like Thanksgiving was in November. I think we started in October. Wow. Beginning of okay. October. And, um, you know, we went all over the place. And we so ended on, on we ended on in Baltimore. We ended in Baltimore, took a one-week break for Thanksgiving. So all the other bands flew home. The bus drivers okay. got rid of the buses, all that. They all went home. We drove that day in Baltimore after we played. Baltimore, more Maryland. Maryland. And we drove all the way across the country to Portland, Oregon. Oh, my gosh. To get there in time How for long of a drive is that? What, two, two days? Three days? Uh, well, it's like over 3,000 miles, I think. But um, That's a haul. We didn't, we didn't stop. The only time we stopped was we were in Wyoming, and they shut down the freeway because there was snow. <laughs> There's snow. Yeah. There was an upside-down semi. Oh, my God. How do you get in a semi freaking upside-down? Right. I don't know. But it you was, know it's bad. It was slippery. If it's doing know? that, it's yeah. bad. Yeah. So, anyway... We were just like creeping, and then and all of a sudden, there's Wyoming a state trooper just that's like ruthless country. The state trooper's like freeways closed. You anyway. guys are gonna have to like go somewhere else. Yeah. Right. Okay. Great. So you know, <laughs> we hung out in a town in Wyoming until like the next morning. Oh then, wow. then we drove, but yeah, we were. I would hallucinate at night, like because I would drove most of the time. Nick okay. was the only other guy I trusted to drive, and he drove pretty slow. Sorry, Nick. But you know, <laughs> so I was like, if we we're trying to get somewhere, right, I'd have to like get us ahead of schedule but i only trusted nick because he was safe right everybody else i would never right. trust to drive right. like in the van so like i'd put nick up there if he was you know willing and awake and then i would go jump in the back and try to sleep but i never really did okay and then i'd be driving and i remember like driving through the gorge one night almost home and i'm just like dying dude and i would fall asleep at the wheel literally the street lights i would see like wolves and stuff <laughs> like, i'm like <laughs> i'm like holy stops like just like right. swer- swerving for a wolf that right. wasn't even there right. like i'm like so tired because like my mind was making shapes out of like right. shadows and i don't know how to even describe no, it i was yeah. hallucinating and like we made it home anyway that we did that drive so much you know on all these other tours we toured around the u.s like more than a dozen times you know wow. so we were kind of used to being like zombies and Anyway, we got home. A couple days later, we started the West Coast portion of that same tour okay. in Irvine, California. Irvine, California. And made our way all the way up the coast. Will, Will Ferrell's hometown. <laughs> there you go. And uh, the last show was in Seattle area, Everett. Okay. And that was the show I think you're referring to that you remember. It's either yeah. there or Salem Armory or yeah. Salem... <clears throat> There's like an ice rink or something. Like yeah, that. you guys played, you know, and I had been on that boat trip, so my grandpa had passed away by then. I remember you played Mr. Turner, <clears throat> and it was like one of those times where I was sitting with the family, you know, and I'm like biting down on my bottom lip because it was so powerful. I didn't wow. want to cry, you know. It was just that. amazing. Yeah. yeah. Just amazing. So that... Like, dr- trying to draw blood, you know, like, yeah. I won't cry, you know. <laughs> I'm biting down on my lip. Yeah. That was an amazing experience. And I think everyone who tours with those guys feels like their friend at the yeah. end. Because they make them feel so welcome and oh, stuff. Yeah. And I, yeah, I feel bad people. for them because, like, everybody, I think everybody feels their friendship. And so that, yeah. that, that leaves them feeling like people are kind of pulling at them probably all the time. But anyway, that yeah, is... and you guys are. I mean, you're at the point of you. You have you have some international fame at this point. People know, folks know who you are. They can look your stuff up. You're on tour with Switchfoot. A little Switchfoot. bit. We're still an opener, though. Folks you know? know who Switchfoot is. Yeah, but you're still in the mix. I mean, it's cool. So yeah, I, was, I remember being just like, wow, this is cool. Yeah, we went to Europe. We did a little tour there. We did wow. Southeast Asia. 
Um, wow, what was that like? What's Southeast Asia like? It was like, you know, culture shock. But like, okay. again, I'm just in this whirlwind at the time, so I don't really know, you know, what's even going on, to be honest with you. I'm just right. kind of like working. I'm, I'm in work mode. Work mode. Yeah. yeah, and so, I mean, I'm experiencing you, you got Aaron Sprinkle up there in your mind every day you know, saying, let's get it done, buddy. Yeah. Let's get it done. Well, I, get and it I want to make Aaron and I want to make Jeff and I wanted to make Brandon proud. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So you have really had a, a three people in, 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 in your mind every day that you yeah. are, you are serving those folks. Yeah. That's I mean, your job. Just, just, yeah. It's a job. So, um, yeah. then I, um, and then, you know, we did those tours and stuff. Then I got married to Amy which, I mean, that's a story in and of itself, but, mm-hmm. you know, iron sharpens iron, and right. Amy is definitely an iron in my life that sharpens me, and I hopefully sharpen her, but this whole time, I would never have been able to do any of this without, like, her love, her support, um, and just her discipline. And she hung in there. Oh, yeah. Right? I yeah. mean, you were gone. She was helping so us the whole time. married? She's dropshipping... We weren't married at that tour, but we were married while I was on tour. Okay. But she's like calling in t-shirt sizes we need and okay. having them drop shipped at the next venue. And and at that time, you didn't have a phone with maps on no. it. Like the iPhone came out while we were touring and wow. stuff. And so like Nick would like look up directions on his computer. Then he would screenshot it or whatever. And then like we'd be on the road like following a map. You wow. know, we weren't like on a GPS thing or whatever. So it was very... You know, you had to do a little bit of planning to oh, get yeah. this stuff done. <clears throat> a lot of planning. And, and Amy was a huge, huge help in that. Um, and so then, she's, she she is your PR manager at that <laughs> yeah. point. She's she, making phone calls. She's oh, yeah. talking she, to agents. She's just she's, not getting paid. You know what I'm saying? She's booking venues. She's making sure everything's going. Yeah. Making sure you got t-shirts, CDs, stuff to sell. Yeah. Right. Okay. And um, shout and, out to Amy. Shout out to yeah, Amy. Yeah, she's a good lady. And so then... And you're gone. And I'm gone. She's dude. here in Old Kentucky, and you are on the road gone. Yeah. Gone, straight up gone. Not going to see you for a long time. Yep. Right? Yep. Okay. So then that record deal kind of fell apart um, after our second and a half album. We put out a second album. Um, and then after that, we did like a covers EP because there was like a cover song we tried to do for a Macy's commercial. And, really? And then... We put out this covers EP, and and then, um, you know, shortly after that... For Macy's? Um, well, we tried to do the song for Macy's. It's a Buddy Holly cover. But they oh, that's right. It. I remember that. Okay. So, it's a good song. To you yeah, I thought we did a good job it. on that. Um, yeah, you did. They just didn't take it, huh? No. No. And then... It happens. Yep. More often than not. Oh, yeah. But anyway, so then... Um, I, I I have had so much work rejected. Way more than I've ever had folks listen to it. Oh, yeah. Same. Way more. The ratios are very high, <laughs> you know, for rejection. But the funny thing is, like, Brandon let go, but I was, like, glad, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think he almost did it in a gracious way, you okay. know, because they could shelve me. They, you know, they could have kept me, like, on board but not spent any money on me or mm-hmm. whatever. I don't know exactly all the legalities of it. We don't need to go into that. But mm-hmm. I felt like when he let go of me, it was more of, like, and and honestly, the... Not that his label's not existent anymore, but the entire Christian music industry ship was sinking. Yeah. yeah. So it was like he kind of let me get off the ship before it sank. He did you sense. a favor. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Because he saw what was coming, for not just for you, but for the whole industry. Right. And at everybody. that time, I started recording a solo record. Right. My okay. first solo thing that I was going to put out. Okay. And 
that solo record spurred some relationships with TV film people. Okay. And then started, you know, started getting TV film placements. That started helping me recoup what I was putting into those projects. Okay. So then I recorded another solo project. And you ended up on what? MTV? Well, yeah, I mean, MTV, VH1, Or you started A&E. with commercials. Well, T- well... Tell me about that. Okay, so... <clears throat> What's the beginning? So you're done with the band. Tour's over. You're here in Van Tuck. But, like, the band isn't broke up or anything like that. We just... And I planned on still recording with the band. Right. Um, but I was just, like, in a... I'd met this guy, Chris Keene, who's, like, an extremely good songwriter, great producer, great engineer, great friend. And we had grown in friendship because we had been on a tour with Emery and Surrogate. Right. His band. And Emery. Yes. Right, and he still to this day will go and do guitar parts for him. Yep, and this guy's a phenomenal guitarist. Yeah, right. Great guitar player, great songwriter. Okay, yeah. So Chris, shout out to Emery and Chris Key. Well, yeah, Chris is really who like put the fork in the road of like on tour with him and the Emery guys. He mentioned like he thought that uh, he could maybe help me produce some of my songs in a way that he thought might help me become the artist I wanted to be. Okay. You know? okay. He he got the vision of what I was trying to do, but I wasn't quite necessarily capturing that. And I had written a lot of songs that weren't really fitting the label and the band at the right. time. And so I went and recorded with him and Chico. And so he brought some clarity to the next phase of your exactly. musical yeah. journey. He okay. helped me grow big time as a songwriter wow. and okay. musician, everything. And so... Like Donald Miller says, you know, yeah. you got you got to have you know you confuse you lose you got to yeah. have clarity. So yeah, he brought some clarity and honestly, he believed in me. In the a guy's way. right too. Yeah. And and I, it meant so much to me. Yeah. Because he was so talented, and the fact that he would say that I was like, wait a minute, this guy believes in me. Yeah. Like, uh, so anyway, Chris and I made that record. It was a magical. What is the record? It's just, uh, it was called Learn How to Love Someone. Learn How to Love Someone, yeah. And and that, by the way, is a beautiful song, man. Thanks. Oh, just really, really good. And so... The part where you go, like, where the, where the, where the chord structure drops and it almost goes minor, and then you, and it's like, you know... It's a tag. Till I learn how to love someone. That part right there is just... It's so powerful. <laughs> I, I love that. I, I'll look forward to that happening in the song every nice. time I hear it because it's so moving. Yeah, it's so, so good, man. Thank it's you. so freaking good. <laughs> yeah. So then, uh, Chris really helped build that that new direction, and um, then like there was TV film placements happening with that, and that grew. And as I put out more Ruth stuff as well as Dustin Ruth stuff, those relationships grew. There's this guy who's just like, um, you know, really helpful and, and uh, whatnot. And so, and then you're getting royalties at this point, right? So yeah, like now MTV's paying you, VH1's paying you. Yeah. Right? So over that next, I'm going to just, so we put out, I put out Dustin Ruth's Learn How to Love Someone, put out this Ruth record payola, which was picked up by Viacom. Can you explain that to the folks too? What is a payola? Because folks need to know this. Payola this is, is like, this is a part of American history right here. Yeah, it's what labels used to do to radio stations. They would pay them to play their band's song over and over and over again so that America would grab onto that and listen. Which, I'm not sure that I'm a... I don't even know what my stance on it is. But it's like, you know, Coldplay was even 
like I, I think I've read articles of Coldplay being s- some sort of payola when they first came out with that first record. But yeah. it's like we might not all know who Coldplay even was if it wasn't for payola. So in a sense, like you know the song Yellow or whatever, it's like that changed music at that time for sure. And it's like so I don't know that I'm necessarily against payola, even though it's illegal. I remember I just, working in the warehouse at Sportsman's, <clears throat> no, excuse me, at Fisherman's Marine and Outdoor in Portland, Oregon, as a youngster, and listening to Coldplay with Travis Russom, the guy I worked with, I believe that's his last name, and we listened to Coldplay all day, and every day I would go home and be like, that is music. Yeah. I loved it, because yeah. it was, no one was doing that, yeah. you know, and, and Chris Martin was doing his thing, and yeah. it was it was good. So that coupled with my solo stuff getting independently used, and then I put out a couple solo EPs, a full solo record, and um, and then Voila, which was the next Ruth record, um, which was kind of like a, a other half of the Paola record. We put that out, and basically, I, I think I've got like over 200 t- film and TV placements through those. Really? Through those albums. And that wow. that helped pay for each of those um, projects and okay. like kind of recoup and stuff like that. And then in the meantime, so I'm working your, at the you're shop. You're basically putting yourself through college in a way. <laughs> you're getting an education yeah. and you're paying for it. And I was working at the shop at the time, right. full time. Working at Mike's, Mike's Auto Repair, then, best mechanic shop that's ever existed. And then I'm like not really touring anymore, but I'm 30, still thirty five years. Thirty five years. Thirty five yeah. years of Clark County, best damn mechanic shops ever existed. Okay. <laughs> so and shout out to Tim Bono. Yeah, yeah, Tim. You stud. So um, I'm putting out records, but more as like a songwriter and like going to the studio and like recording and. That 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 allowed me to keep doing what I loved, and then working at the shop, I knew the shop. I knew my parents needed to sell it to really retire, you know, and I just wanted to see that happen. I wanted them to be able to be taken care of, and I wasn't gonna leave the shop until I knew that was the case. That's when I started trying to search for what was next, and that's when I got into aviation. Okay, and. That happened from a trip to Alaska, riding around with a family friend, we call him Uncle Ward. The shop sold, I got into aviation the last two years of running the shop, got all my ratings and everything. I got a job up in Alaska flying, and I planned on doing that to build my time and experience. Just Okay, learning. so your dad, let me, let me go back up here. Sure. Your dad sells Mike's Auto Repair, 35 years, sells the business. Property, everything. And you're like, what in? Yeah, property, everything. The business, Which I knew. The shops, I wanted that to All happen. the tools, all the all the yeah. car jacks, everything. Yeah. Everything yeah. goes. Yeah. Everything goes. And they move. Yeah. Right? Your folks move. They're yeah. done. They're retired. They made it. The, the, the dream is alive now. And, and I feel like <clears throat> I'm done with that commitment. Yeah, because I want to get into that because this is deep stuff, dude. We're talking about three, almost four decades of, <clears throat> of, of blood, sweat, and tears. Yeah. And this is a new chapter yes. for everybody. In, yeah. and, it, and it's exciting and, and probably deeply sorrowing all at the same time yeah. for everyone involved. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. There's like a – I remember driving by the place and seeing – just knowing that there was that – Culture was gone down yeah, there. Yeah. And I remember just being like, man, what was that? Yeah. You know? Because it's not there anymore. Yeah, man. It's in, 
I felt sadness. I, I felt sadness too yeah. when I was done working for my parents right. for sure. Like I remember my last day working for them. Okay. I called them, you know, told them the shop was I got everything done, just wow. you know, days over and and, and I oh, started bawling. The the phone call, yeah, yeah. You start crying. That's right. Which yeah. I don't usually cry. Like yeah. that's really yeah. not like me, but but that's I just real. broke down and right. I was just like I just wanted my parents to know I, I really felt honored to work for them yeah. for for that long and that was yeah. just super blessed that they would let me and after f- all the history we had together right. that, and you know. feel like the phone call is just not enough oh, it's just yeah. not enough you know like you want to shoot uh, like give them an award or, or oh, yeah. know, shoot a firework or do something for them because it's just I mean how you how do you honor four decades you know a Viet- the guy's a Vietnam veteran you're old man yeah. a Vietnam veteran Father of five. Father of five. Grandfather of like 15. Grandfather of 15 kids. Or so. Or or so. Yeah. Right? And went through a divorce when he was a youngster. Yeah. In the war. Right? There's some... They came here and survived. Yeah. And built a family. Yeah. Yeah. And so... I am very happy though, because I mean they're they're retired and they're doing well. So it's just everything was great. That that whole thing, even though it was sad, was very very good. It was very fulfilling because like, I felt like a freedom too that you know I could move on to the next thing. You know, and I had like acquired a really good knowledge base of working on cars. So it's like if I needed to go do that, I could do that. But I'd got into aviation, kind of got hooked. Yeah, tell and, me about that. What was the interest? Like, where did you go from, I'm down here writing music. I fell into it. Working for my old man. Yeah. Damn good mechanic. And then all of a sudden, it's like, you know, that thing up in the sky. (laughs) I kind of want to do that. No, I I, How did we get there? I didn't have those thoughts. I mean, every little kid kind of has those thoughts. But, so Amy and I, and it's another whole chapter, but, like, we had some unfortunate, like, circumstances yes. around that time yes and so we needed Some to get really away. tough stuff yeah yeah so we needed to get away so we went up to alaska we hung out with uncle ward <laughs> and he took us up in his cub super cub and flew us all around him. and he offered for me to fly i was like no i don't even know what i don't know i don't want to touch anything and, and shout out to ward and the fam yeah and he takes me in Amy, so you're all in alaska over the place you're in alaska yeah you're up in the in, in the northern territories yes. right we're talking like way up. Well, he's he lives in Anchorage. Right, but you guys are flying over the well, he's the most, some of the most remote country oh, yeah. in the world. Yeah. Okay. okay. And it's epic. There's grizzly bears. Oh yeah, we saw There's bears. We saw wolves. We fished. Caribou. All moose. Kind of stuff. Right. And then Deer. we come home. It was like a four day whirlwind, and then we come home, and Amy was just like, she's like, hey, have you ever thought of flying? You know, because she knows that I got to move on from the shop when it sells and. I was like, well, yeah, you know, I've thought of it, but I'm sure there's a lot to it. <laughs> You're like, yeah, I've seen an airplane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um. And we have an uncle. We got, we got to touch on that. Yes. Flying is, a, is in our family. So yes. my dad, my yeah. grandpa Hannon, he was a tech sergeant in the Air Force, and he worked on airplanes. Yes. And served in World War II. Develop, helped develop a lot of technology. Yep, that's right. And then my other grandpa on my mom's side was... Private pilot. Yeah. Oh, no, no. I mean, your mom's dad was a yeah, private pilot. Right, yeah. He also was had done a little bit of aircraft. Then went in, went on to be a, 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 a very experienced, um, multi-level sailor. Sail, sailed the whole South Pacific with my grandma uh, for like four years. Yep. On a 40-foot trimaran sailboat. 
And then you get into, and he also served in the Korean War. Yeah. And so we got, you know, military folk on both sides. And then fast forward. And my dad was an aircraft Your dad was an aircraft mechanic. In the Air Force. In the Air Force. Served in Vietnam. Yeah. And then fast forward, we got our other uncle who's still here. Just retired recently. Probably the most, the most, um, what's the word? I don't want to say successful. The most, um, what's the word? It's slipping my mind. But he's the most accomplished pilot yeah pilot and it's everywhere. like it's like god took the seed and then when that was made it was like i am going to make this red-headed irishman as a boy from from the very beginning yeah we're gonna put him in central kansas in the heart <laughs> of farm country family owns feedlots do a lot of farming they're feeding cattle out there but this man is going to be an airline pilot. Yeah. And that guy to the book has, he just, what, what did he just retire from? Uh, 40 years. 40, United. four decades for United Airlines. Yeah. And was a flawless pilot yeah. through all of it. Yeah. Plus he like, if you have traveled somewhere in this country with United Airlines, chances are my uncle probably took you there and got you there safely yeah. from point A to point B. And he flew, the Shout wide bodies, the big, you know, 787s, 777, He did everything you could do in that industry. Yeah. Everything. And, and Uncle Ward era. was his co-pilot. They're like, who? But Uncle Ward. Uncle Ward. The guy who we ended up that's in Alaska right. with. And that's okay. how we met Ward. Okay. Was through Kim. So, so this idea of being an aviator is starting to penetrate your mind. Yep. Okay. So then I got into the books and got into a ground class on like just what is being a pilot. Like okay. I didn't, you know, I knew there was more to it than just flying a plane, and then that got me hooked. And I was like, it was the discipline of it, I think, that really took over. And we could talk for days about that. Um, but then, toward the end of the shop selling, that was when I got my my commercial license, which, as you're you learn more about aviation. There's just different tiers of pilotage and you have to be federally signed off for each tier. And once you get to the commercial tier, that means you can go make money as a pilot. Somewhere. Okay. And so that's when I got my first job and that was up in Alaska. Okay. And yeah. that's a road. I mean, we're talking about, I mean, give folks a perspective from, let's just start and do a summary, but like, from that conversation, you're laying in bed talking to my sister. Hey, you ever thought about flying an airplane? How? What's? What are we talking about? What's the timeline? That took two years. Two years. Yeah. From that conversation. But I'm working at the shop, so it's like, after work hours, I'm going. On the weekends, I'm going. I'm like trying, and that's pretty fast for doing it the way I did it, okay. which is called Part 61, which okay. is a legal term. Like, so Part 61, learning to fly, get all your ratings, like two years after hours on the weekends that's that's like hustling you know even yeah, though it doesn't hustling. seem like it because that's after that's working a full-time job after hours and you're married yes and it was not like, like hard, you're a single man. guy just because i haven't been in the books forever you know right. since school and i didn't really even care at school either this i cared about so right. i was like just focused you know right yeah i remember that and so then i got this job in alaska and that's that's a whole other story, man. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Pharaoh Podcast. I am Ben Hannon, and I am your host. 
We are here with Dustin Ruth on location at Battleground, Washington, and we're talking about Alaska. We're talking about aviation, and we're talking about you just really shifting your career, you're shifting your motivations. Uh, Mike's auto repair is just closed after 35 years of the best auto and customer service that's ever been known to mankind. And here we are. We're, we're going into a new chapter. You're a different person. You have uh, cleaned your life up. You met my sister. She, she helped clean, you. Help me clean she mind. helped you clean your life up. You got, you know, you're not smoking pot anymore. You're not partying and, and, and trying to, to, you know, just fill that void. And so now we're on to, uh, we're on to Alaska mm -hmm. and you are flying over some of the most remote country that is known to man up there. I think it's I mean, probably pretty remote. People go there on a yearly basis just to be up there. Sure. Even if they don't, they, they, they hunt and fish up there. And even if they're not successful, they just, they come home and they're like, Alaska, you know, yeah. Alaska, everybody's, oh, Alaska, yeah. you know, so that's where we're at. Yeah. And you, you are flying, explain to people, what are you flying? Uh, so the company basically flies people and goods, mail, you know, food in and out of remote villages that there aren't roads to and from. So most of the year. So it would not be uncommon for you to leave on a Tuesday morning and fly over open tundra and land on a makeshift runway in a tiny village of 800 people uh, a lot of them are even less than that like two 200 something. 200 people yeah. but there, there are some with no like, roads no roads yeah there's no there's no in and out the only way in and out other than aircraft is generally speaking i mean you can use a snow machine, a snow probably, machine, or dog sleds, but the other way. Is but that's days by boat, or by boat. Yeah, and that's most of them are on ocean or or rivers. So you okay? So if you want to get into these places, you either come in on an airplane, yeah, or you come in on the water. Which on it's the water, maritime. the water's frozen five, six months half out of, of the year. year. So so water's so half of the year you can't even get in a boat because right. you'll die. Yeah, you'll just die. So that's it's when just over. flying is when you. Okay, that's just complete suicide to even attempt to be boating around in. Well, I don't know about that. I just know it's frozen, so you can't get up river. You can't. You know, it's solid yeah. ice. So. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So you're and you're flying. You're flying mail. You're flying food. You're flying folk to one place to another. I yeah. want to go see my brother over in Tuluxac. Tuluxac. Yeah. yeah. It's just like Akichuk. Oh yeah. Newnom. <laughs> yeah. They uh, they definitely have their own pace of life. Their yeah, own it's beautiful. Language. Their own culture for yeah. sure it's a beautiful thing but um so i started working for them flying flying aircraft um and basically built my time my hours my experience built friendships tell folks about that coffee we're, co we're, we're we're what what time of the year is that we're talking january um well i mean it was all year long so you know, you'd have spring, summer, fall, winter. Right. But when you took the coffee out and you guys made the little video where you throw it out into the oh, atmosphere. Oh, the coffee video. And the yeah, stuff yeah, yeah. literally crystallizes in the air. I think I that mean, was like January, Folks February. need to know how cold this is. Uh, Explain to people the kind of weather that you are flying small aircraft in. 
Well, because this is this is something to be noted for all the guys that are still up there doing this. Yeah, for sure. On a on a yearly basis. Yeah. Annual deal. Well, our I think our lowest temperature we were allowed to fly in was either negative forty or negative fifty. Oh my gosh, man! And I, I so I cowboys, you know, and you know my my deal, and I've been I've been a little bit of weather, but I have not been in that. I I think I've been like tw- like maybe negative twenty. That's probably the worst day I had. So outside, I, yeah, I, I cannot even imagine what that would be like. So that morning, then that morning that I threw the coffee up, how I do was, you go fifty degrees? I was de-icing my plane. Sea level, and it's dark. It's only light, like depending on which base you're at. I was at St. Mary's at that time. Okay. St. Mary's. Like, Where is St. Mary's? It's uh, along the Yukon River. The Yukon River. Um, west of of Anchorage, towards the coast. Okay. So, um, and and there are coastal grizzly bears all over that country. Well, there's grizzlies. Yeah, there's grizzlies. Now the ton- those things freak me out. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely freak me out. Uh, there's Way polar bear. Small. I saw a polar bear while I was up there. Did dude. you really? Yeah. You've seen a polar bear. I've seen polar bear. And you've bears. seen wolves on the ice. I've seen a lot of wolves. A lot of wolves. Yeah. A lot of wolves. A lot of moose, a lot of wolves, And polar you've bear. seen a polar bear on, out hunting. Yeah. I, wow. And I've seen where a polar bear was. I know, I, know, I know hunting guides who have hunted in Alaska and never seen a polar bear. Ever. Muskox. Muskox. Yeah. You've seen muskox. Yep. Wow. Yeah. So anyway, it was pretty rad. Um, it's It's pretty like... A dynamic weather environment, which I mean, a lot of areas are dynamic weather environments, but up there is definitely its own thing. And um, and so you're flying around. A lot of times you're flying, you know, at night because um, in the winter it's dark most of the time. Okay. Uh, I, I have never been to Alaska, so I don't know anything about it. Sure. So that's why I'm asking. I want folks to know, like, you know, share the splendor. You know, because yeah. I always hear about it, but I've never been there. Well, I mean. I don't know how much time we have, so it would take a long time. But They're still hunting for meat, right? Well, almost all the villages do hunt for meat. Okay. Subs, what's the word? So it's still a very much a hunter-gatherer culture yeah. still, yeah. right? I mean, they hunt seal, and they hunt fish, and fish, fur trading, fur trapping, trapping, which you can't um, do here. You know, they, you can't trap anything. But they do all that now with a lot of, like, extra technology. Like, now they have snow machines. Wow. Now they have four-wheelers. Okay. Now they have... They call snow machines snow goes. Okay, snow goes. <laughs> snow okay. goes, and everything with an engine is a Honda. So. Oh really? Yeah. So. <laughs> really? Yeah. It doesn't matter anything. if it's made by like Kawasaki or Polaris. Okay. Everything's called Honda. Yeah, Honda. Okay. <laughs> yeah. How so, funny. Um, but anyways. <laughs> that's a cool. That's a cool. That's a cool insight. Yeah. If if Honda ever made a snow machine or a snow <clears throat> yeah a snow machine, um, and they called it a snow go, they would probably sell. Thousands and thousands of them. So you're ask. telling me I need to get patent today. Yes. Right? Yes, okay. Yes. Okay. Um, so anyway, um, they have a lot of technology that they didn't have back then that helps them with their fishing and their and you know their hunting and gathering and stuff like that. They're not using dog sleds as much to like get from point A to point B. Now it's still a big part of their culture. They still have the you know, the annual um, um, what's it called? dog sled you know race from from anchorage all the way out to Nome. Uh, yeah so they still have the the iditarod the iditarod yes yeah. so there's still a lot of that that dog sledding in their culture and okay they still do it but it's still there you know okay. there's a lot more of them are on snow goes oh yeah on okay snow goes but at one time folks were out with those they're basically wolves 
I mean, I, I don't know, so I'm not going to get into that. But I would love, I would love, I know for sure the, the Akita and that Husky are about as close to a wolf as you could still get today. Sure. As far as along the, the feral lines of domestication. But we need to look into that. I need to look into that because I, I would love to know, like, who was able to feed the first wolf you know, close enough to where they could, you know, pet its nose, and then pretty soon it became a sled dog. Yep. That's an, probably another topic, but sure. okay. So we're 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 sledding dogs. We're hunting. We're fishing, and then the and snow I'm machine. I'm just flying. <laughs> yeah, well, and then I'm just doing it, and then yeah. the the snow machine shows up. Mm-hmm. The snow go, and then pretty soon, so these guys are now mobile in a new way on the in these little village little villages scattered out all over Alaska and they were able to adopt that stuff into the culture and make a lot of people believe they came over you know because it's pretty shallow from Russia right originally Asia Russia is like this right like this kind of indigenous movement of folks over I forget land there's like a land right and then they kind of drifted in and started taking their way of life into the top of Alaska yeah okay So I mean, great, great history. Honestly, I don't know how much of this we should get into because I don't know enough to be accurate. You no, know it's what I'm fine. Okay. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, there are folks who do know, and and I think we're at least touching the the origins of it. Sure, so that's fair. I don't think we're too are too too far off base. Yeah, I think though, like the, I'm just trying to give people a picture of like why this exists today. Sure. Why does a guy have a job in Alaska flying a plane around? This is why. This yeah, is what? that's to get the food and get yeah. the mail and stuff in and out and get people back and forth. Like they could be sick. They right. need, maybe need to see a doctor. Right. They need to get back to Anchorage. Yeah. Most of the villages. And you had some interesting experiences on the airplanes with folks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, most of the villages have clinics, but they're not okay. necessarily, they're great, but they're not necessarily fully equipped for like every situation. Right. So, so if, it's a, if it's a dire situation, then you get a phone call. And you got to get somebody down to Anchorage. Well, and there is Life Flight or MedLife or Medivac. I can't remember. They, they're more of like the last minute we need to get these people in with a jet or like okay. something like that. But we get them oftentimes to a village that's bigger that, that they can be transported from there to, wow. you know, the next place. But most people that I'm carrying around that are sick or coughing or they're pregnant or they're, you know, they need medical attention, but it's not necessarily like right this second. Okay. You know? Okay. Um, and so I did that, built my time. How many years in Alaska? Uh, really, honestly, from the time that I got hired there to the time that I left was only a year and 10 months, maybe. Okay, so almost two years. And tell folks, what does that schedule look like? Because I remember is you, I I want to say you were here like two weeks on, two weeks off. And Okay. Two Some, weeks on, two weeks off. So you're sometimes gone half the month. Yeah, and sometimes the two weeks on can grow to two and a half, three weeks, depending on weather and yeah. stuff. And getting and out it's of not there. like you drove down to Salem. And yeah. You're like in Oregon. You're in Alaska. Yeah. And you're throwing coffee. So you throw the coffee out the window, and it's so cold, the stuff crystallizes. Yep. Right? Yep. And you guys can go on. Where do we find that? It's on uh, Facebook? It's on Instagram. It's on Instagram. Yeah. Dustin Ruth. Yep. You go to Dustin Ruth, Instagram. And what do you search? Coffee video? Oh, you don't have to search. You just look through it. You'll see it. It's, it's, on, there. it's on They there. throw coffee outside and the stuff, it, the stuff crystallizes in the air yep. before it hits the ground. Yep. <laughs> I've never seen anything like it. So wow. it's cold. The weather's, you know, dynamic. Um, but it's, 
it's really fun. It was a good time. It was a lot of camaraderie with the other pilots and you make good friends and everybody talks over dinner and shares mm. war stories and, you know. And sometimes you guys are camping in remote uh, airplane camps. Like I well, remember one time you called me, you showed, sent me a picture and it was like, it looked like you were in the, like the North Pole. Well, and there's nothing out there. There's well, one house and there's nothing around. Yeah, there's <laughs> right. Well, sometimes it sometimes you get stuck in the village in a village that's smaller than the village you live in, mm. and so you know you're kind of they might put you on the floor in a gym or depending on what they have there. But, okay. Um, but most of the villages are prefab homes that are shipped in years ago okay they're all on stilts because the permafrost so you can't really put a foundation down because it'll just sink at different times and different right. places which is so you can adjust the stilts with shims and stuff okay That's like a whole job there but okay. they're really crazy how they like develop the ability to live there and wow okay um but it is like conics very tough and, people yeah 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 only only the strong survive up there so that's pretty much what it's like in the villages. I mean, there's okay. a lot. You know that transition from the time in up in Alaska to here. There was back to the music. You know, a lot of music and stuff that I wrote during that time. And so I spent the last like, you know, year. The last year I was up there, or maybe even six months, I started recording those songs. Okay. That I just put that out in February. So that kind of this newer album kind of like, I guess, showcases where my heart and my mind were at during that time. And okay. Like and what... that's Shapeshifter. Yeah. That's yeah. Shapeshifter. And that came out on February 7th, 2020. Yeah. You can look it up on iTunes. You can look it up on Spotify. Dustin Ruth, right? Yep. It's Dustin Ruth. Yep. Now, Dustin Ruth, the album's called Shapeshifter. How many songs? Seven. Seven songs. Yeah. Go check it out, you guys. It is good, good, good stuff. Thanks. It'll make you feel good. It'll put a good message in your mind, and it will help you be better. Now go check it out. If you want to get better, go listen to Dustin Ruth. Seriously. So, yeah, that was pretty much... I'm sorry to embarrass you. No, <laughs> I'm just being honest. It's great stuff. <laughs> that was kind of the last couple of years in a nutshell, I guess. So. But... um. So you had some friends, and they're like, hey, you should try out this commercial thing. It's a good deal. You know, you can get your time in. You have enough time. And so that's how you started thinking about that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And that's that's where I'm at now. And that's where you're at. And so what are you doing? What is like a, a day in the life of an airline, airline pilot look like in 2020 for, for you? Uh, you know, you just... You know, we'll do like these legs, you know, they call them legs and every other leg I fly, every other leg he or she will fly. Well, what do what do you guys do on downtime? Like you get into, let's say you get to Reno and it's, you're done. It's, it's done. You go to bed, right? You're going to sleep. But let's say you don't fly till five o'clock the next day. What do you do? Well. Because I know you don't gamble, man. <laughs> you're not a casino guy. There are times what where I've do? been able to get get out of the hotel and just go like, like if I'm in Santa Ana, I've got your family down there right my family so i'll go hang out with them but for the most part like there's always so much like changes in the company as well as um um requalifying so mm. like you're getting tested 
all the time. Okay. That so you're studying. I try to study yeah. a, little, a little bit. Okay. Um, and honestly, I try to force myself to sleep, but you kind of you're pretty restless most right. of the time because you know you're on call and it's gonna be. Or you're just you like scared going. to go to sleep because what if the alarm doesn't wake you up in time? Right. Or right. You, know, you got a van time. You've got okay. You know all this kind of stuff. So honestly, there are some really good layovers. That's what we call them. But there's a lot where they're just like, you know, there's not enough time to really do anything. You kind of learn restaurants you like or places you like to eat. And I don't eat a ton while I'm flying. Mm-hmm. So generally speaking, I'm pretty hungry by the time like I have the, those times. So I'm just like, like in Spokane, there's a great co-op is what they call it. Um, next to where I stay in the hotel. And I'll go there and get soup and sa- sandwich every time. Um, because it's really good and so I look forward to the those places and just that quiet time I also was finishing up that album so like I would go listen to like parts and then mixes and like write Chris or talk to Chris and we would like work on finishing up those songs so I could put them out so I do that on my free time um that's about it man like go for walks you try to be somewhat active because you sit in a cockpit all day long like Spokane is great because there's where we stay there's great waterfront like trails and stuff um and there are lots of overnights that have that some people go to the exercise room and work out mm-hmm. but most of the time I just go for walks okay so yeah wow just okay. to get outside you know and so you'll leave how long are you gone and then how do you come back most of the time up to four days Really? Okay. Um, and you fly all over the frontier west, basically, right? You don't yeah. do too much east coast. Nope. No. I mean, we've gone to, we go to Dallas and Tucson, and so we do go inland of ways, but, you know, uh, St. Louis and Wichita, Oh, you go to Missouri. Okay. But wow. Minneapolis. Oh, no kidding. Okay. But I don't do those flights much. Okay. I try to stay away from that. I You're like staying the west. Mostly in the west. Coast. Yeah. Okay, so let's, in closing, what... What would you like to say to the listeners? Do you have anything? Do you have any advice? Do you have any? Um, do you have any ending thoughts? Do you have any uh, any any poetry? Any any quotes that you love? Just how can how can you how can you close this out here? Like, what would you like to tell folks today about your story and uh, the good and the bad? If you could just sum it all up. If I was a young guy getting into music, if I was a young guy getting into aviation, if I was a a young guy or girl, and you are looking into your life and you're trying to say, man, what in the world am I going to do with myself? Um, Offer some some guidance, some leadership. Sure. I think I would say... or maybe you're 50 years old and you feel like this, and that's okay too. Yeah. You know, some folks are starting over. I think I would encourage people to, which is something later in life that I've learned just through aviation, is to try to draft a flight plan. So, okay. So where is your destination? Okay. What are you aiming for? Are you just flying around out there like hmm. in no direction? Okay. You know? I like that. Um, okay. Because you're going to run out of gas if right. you're doing that. Or you're going to run into terrain or you're going to, you know, run into bad weather. Mm-hmm. Um, try to come up with a flight plan, a destination. Okay. Uh, and I think that's like... And you're talking about for life, for, for your life. 
right? It may not. You may not always stay in that destination, but right. just, just but, but, where, but where do you want to be five years from now? Yeah. That same question. Sit down, where do you want to be ten years from now? Write it down on some paper. Yeah, if you don't okay. have a target, you'll never hit it. You okay. Know? And I think aviation has taught me that, and I also think in that you got to trust the Lord. Okay. Really, the journey is sometimes dangerous. It's sometimes beyond, like for me personally, like it's beyond what I would naturally feel comfortable doing, yeah. whether it's going on stage with before Switchfoot and K, whether it's flying in at night over the frozen tundra mm. of Western Alaska. See it, polar bears. Yeah. yeah. Whatever it may be that I'm not natural mm -hmm. at, I think I've always had to at times just put my faith in the Lord mm -hmm. and he's given me the tools I needed to do that and the favor to do that. Yeah. Now, some and people, for folks who don't believe in God and all that stuff, that's okay. Yeah, you are all that's, welcome here. And I know for both of us, we, and for myself especially, if you if it's not your thing, that's okay. That's what I needed. You right. Know? That's what you needed. And, that's right. Um, not our call. So, uh, certainly, that would be my encouragement, though. Yeah. Because you know? I think a lot of us want to try things that maybe we're scared of mm -hmm. think we can't do or whatever yeah. and you're saying you can't yeah. and most of what I've done has not looked exactly how I thought it would it's yeah. turned out to be a different version of what I thought it was going to be okay. you know what I'm saying okay. so yeah. um, you got to be okay with that too any good okay. business plan or life plan has to be flexible you, okay. know? you start out making whatchamacallits and nobody wants whatchamacallits and one day you, you made a, a who's a gadget and everybody loved the who's in the gadget. Right. And you thought everyone was going to love the what's in the call it. Right. And now your business doesn't look like what you thought it was. Now, were you still a business owner? Yes. Were you still successful? Right. Yes. It just Did didn't look like, yourself? it yes. didn't look like what you set out. Still tried. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. um, being That's okay. That's a really with, good way to put it. Being okay with that. Okay. You know? Yeah. Not, okay. not, not just okay with that, but grateful for it. Okay. It's like, okay. Yeah. Okay. So in summary, yeah. So, you know. Fine, so you're saying, and then this is just to kind of close out for everybody, and we'll leave you with this. Find out whether you believe in God or not, it doesn't matter. Find out what it is that you would would possibly, and what you kind of see in your life as to be something that you, you have some talent at, some gifts, and figure out what that is. Or desire, passion for. Find, yeah, find a way to, to get paid to do it, you know. Uh, like my buddy Joel, he talks about the hedgehog, you know, the, the, the hedgehog idea where you, you just, you get this, this triangle of things and it's, it's like, what can you be the best in the world at? And that's different for every person. Mm -hmm. Well, find that. and then believe in yourself, put the hard work in the blood, the sweat, the tears and go do it, man. And there is, a, there is an aspect of that. It's like, find something you love to do try to find a way to get paid for it. It's like, that is true, but there's also nothing wrong with being Dustin who works at the shop. That's right. But still makes music because I love doing it. If you died today, what could you say about your legacy? Okay, friends. The question is, and where we're going with all of this, What's going to be your legacy? What's going to be my legacy? Who are you going to choose to be? And what people are you going to leave behind 
And what are they going to do with what you taught them? Are they going to do good things? Or are they going to do bad things? That's what we're trying to get at. So it's a question for all of us. Come back next week. We're going to Temple, Texas, way down south. We're going to have Jason Mitchell on the line. You guys, it's going to be great. Thank you for listening to the Voice of the Feral podcast, and we'll keep a light on for you.